Uh, so um, how much is that? Welcome to the podcast editor's mastermind, where we talk about the business side of podcasting. We have something very special tonight, and it's not just the topic we're bringing to the table. It's this person sitting over <laughs> on the other side. For those of you that haven't been here in a little bit, Carrie, can you tell us who you are? I'm Carrie Caulfield. Eric, you can find me at yayapodcasting.com, but really don't go there because it's a mess. Um, yeah. Hi. I'm so glad to be back. Yeah. It's been way too long. We've been waiting for you for quite a while. I'm Brian Inspringer. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. And down on the bottom is Daniel Abendroth. You can find me at rothmedia.audio. Jennifer was unable to join us this evening. She's doing mom things. I guess we'll let her do that because she's a mom. So Jennifer, we miss you, but we're glad to have Carrie back. So tonight we're going to talk about how to talk about what you do. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've been on a call with a client or a prospective client. They say, hey, tell me what you do. And because I spend so much time in the nuts and bolts of what I do, and I know what some other people do. A lot of times I will talk about the things that I think differentiate me in terms of deliverables and things like that. And I forget to talk about the basic stuff like, oh yeah, I cut ums and I make <laughs> long silences shorter and stuff like that. So we thought, hey, let's let's bring this together. Let's talk about the different kinds of editing and you know, how do we talk about what we do? We're not going to have all the answers, but we'll hopefully ask some questions that will be helpful to you. Now, Carrie, you actually brought up this topic. This is her fault. Welcome back, Carrie. It's all your fault. Usually so is. I think there was there was a thing that caused you to say, hey, we should probably talk about this. So what was that? So the head of production for the company that I edit for wanted me to meet with the producer because he thought I would be great help for his show. And I'm like, yay. And, you know, had started having the conversation with said producer. And what I didn't know at the time is that the head of production failed to tell that producer how I could help him. And I just kind of had this assumption that that conversation had happened, um, <laughs> that the head of production would know like what my job is, what I do, because if working with them for four years. <laughs> but no, he didn't pass this information along. So when that question came, it's like, okay, explain to me what you do. It did not work out so well. Uh, I just was unprepared and I just stammered my way through it. Um, have not heard back <laughs> about this at all. Uh, so I was like, hmm, maybe we need to talk about this because you know, when I first started, I, it was something I like actively did is practice explaining to people what I do. And now that, um, you know, what I do has changed, I, uh, <laughs> I need to practice again. And I think it's a good <laughs> opportunity for all of us to just kind of, you know, refresh ourselves and be able to kind of succinctly share that story. But that was a really embarrassing moment, especially because, almost after a decade. <laughs> yeah, you've been doing it for a minute. Uh, Steve says that you could just tell them that you do all the things. And that's not necessarily untrue, but that's actually probably not what you would tell them, right? So, <laughs> Carrie, if you had the opportunity to go back a couple of weeks or a few days and say, let's have this conversation again, what do you wish that you had told them about what you do? I wish I told him that I helped organize all the information, log all the tape, help him develop the story and pick the selects. So like pick those quotes with personality and fit them into kind of like a pre-script. See, I'm not even really this good because this was a story editing job. So everything from the story crafting to managing the files, to managing the actual content, to picking the, helping to pick the content that goes in the show and build out the narrative and then assembling it into something that then a script can be written off and then helping with the voiceover. So the so for each I would basically list out the steps of creating a narrative podcast for him or with him. 
I really, really wish I had even said it like half as succinctly as I just said. <laughs> <laughs> and confidently. And that probably brings up an interesting question, right? Because there's more than one style of editing. I think in my breadth of experience, I tend to have like a light edit where I don't necessarily go through and do all of the things because they want it to sound real. Uh, sometimes <laughs> you just assume the client is right. And then there's what I would call more of the technical edit where you go through and you do clean up the audio and you do all of that kind of stuff. But I think, Carrie, you probably have a wider experience in more of the different kinds of editing. So how do you look at the styles or the kinds of editing and and maybe the ways we can think about them so that we can explain clearly to people when they don't understand what we're talking about? Right. Place I would start, and I think where most people start and where most podcasters start is um, with linear podcasts, right? They have like an interview, a solo show, a roundtable show where it's like, um, it's not scripted. It's just, you just go with the flow. You start at zero and you end at, you know, 30 or 60 minutes, right? You're not moving things around. You're simply just cleaning stuff up, polishing it, and then delivering something to the client that they can publish. So, so solo shows, roundtable, interview shows, I would consider like a linear editing. That's where I started. That's where a lot of other people started. One thing I think in terms of linear editing, and Brian, you mentioned this, was like the different ways to edit, even if it's a linear edit. So there's that light edit, and then there's a much more cleaned up edit. And then you can also, like one of the things I do for clients as well, who have those linear style shows is I will do a content edit, right? So I will actually cut chunks of content that like aren't interesting or are unnecessary or just um, phrases that you know, I edit, seem to edit a lot of scholars who write books. Yep. And um, one of the things I always take out is in my book, in chapter two, <laughs> I lay out the argument that, so everything up until that, that, it's gone, right? Because who cares, <laughs> right? I want to just get to the meat of it. But one of the things I, I figured out very early on when, you know, with that kind of editing is to explain to the clients exactly how much filler I take out. So my role is 80%. And if you want any more than 80%, you have to pay extra. And that's for that content editing? No, that's for just filler word editing. So, oh, wow. yeah. So I'm not going to take out every, um, uh, you know, like what, you know, I'm not going to take those all out because mm -hmm. I certainly, um, kind of ethically, I want people to sound like people and I want them to sound like people that would be recognized when they spoke in public and nobody speaks perfectly. Well, maybe some people do, but most podcasters don't. Yeah. So that point, I mean, I don't try to get every um either. And what I tell my clients is that I will remove the filler words and clean up, do the edit so that it sounds like a natural conversation that's clean and succinct. So I don't necessarily get everything. I don't even try to get everything. And if I have a client that's particularly interested in how much I get, if there's something that I think they might push back on that I couldn't get, when I send it back to them, I'll say, hey, at this timestamp, I couldn't get this one and here's why. And the other thing I do is when I share with them, hey, this is the kind of editing that I do, a lot of times I'll say, you know, typically what I find is that when me or someone on my team is done with an edit, we've removed somewhere in the range of 10 to 15% of the total content or the total duration of the show. That's the filler. We don't go overboard. We don't try to go super crazy either direction. But also that's going to vary because if you're a particularly good speaker, we might not remove much of anything. We might remove a couple of bad breaths or a long pause or two. If you can't string a sentence together to save your life, it might be more, <laughs> right? <laughs> so how do you, how do you know you've like removed the 20% or 10% or is it just a guess? So I would say it really is that um, 10 to 15% time cut, right? So if I have a 60-minute podcast and I remove six minutes of filler, 
that's probably 80%, depending on how the podcaster speaks. And that's the same for me. When I say I cut 10 to 15% of the content, I go, how long was the file when I got it? If they had any content edits, how long was the file after their content edits? And then how long was it after I got done? So I know how much am I doing versus how much did they request? Does that include like long pauses? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's part filler, of the duration of the show. It's right? filler, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess like when I think about... So I guess like that would work for most of my clients, but there's one in particular where I'd probably have to do something different if I were to kind of track that information. Because like I'll get a, the raw file that's like an hour, an hour and 10 minutes. And then the final product is usually in the range of 30 to 40 minutes. Probably... 20, half of that I remove is just pauses where she'll think about like there'll be a lot of two to three second pauses or even longer that I can cut because I have a, a script that I run that cuts out those pauses automatically. So I don't have to like manually do it, which saves me so much time. But yeah, but I couldn't imagine like having that conversation with, oh yeah, I took out 40% of your content, but it was like all silence. There's dead air. Yeah, I mean, I've never... I don't know that I've ever been in excess of 20%, even with long pauses. And I would actually argue that if you're listening through, the speakers that tend to have those long pauses can actually be harder to edit because you don't know until they come back in. Are they continuing the thought? Are they restarting mm-hmm. the thought? <laughs> that is or did problem. they just go off into some yeah. other place? That was until I got the script to cut those long pauses because, yeah, I'd have to do them all manually and kind of like figure out what's going on. But it's a lot clearer whenever you're cutting out and you have, it's just like half a second or a second or so, but was like a four or five second pause. Yeah. So that makes me think of the content editing that you do in linear podcasting because, or linear editing, because I have a client where I specifically, so they do a Star Wars podcast. And it's a round table. And they get lost down rabbit holes all the time. Does that sound familiar? Um, Yes. Couldn't be us. (laughs) There, I take what is usually a two-hour file, and I cut it down to 60 to 30 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because it's a recap show, I have to... This also involves watching the episodes. Because if I can't follow, like, I need to know what's important, right? What are the what are the plot points? What are the things that they're discussing? I find that a lot of fun. And I that wasn't something that when I first started was even on my radar, right? Yeah. Like, people are doing that. I've seen more and more recap shows um, now, too. So that's always something to be on the lookout for. That's something you can offer, like taking these meandering shows and actually knowing enough about what they're talking about to be able to cut large chunks of content and make those decisions so they can do all the fun stuff. The thought of adding a show to my repertoire where I not only have to potentially do a 50 to 75% content cut, but also have to actually watch the thing first. It's not that I wouldn't want to watch it. I actually like Star Wars. But knowing that on a somewhat regular cadence, I would have to do this and it has to be part of the process, man, that just, I look at that and go, how would I ever begin to do that? Feels like a lot of time involved. Well, okay. So you get paid more. Sure. So you're compensated for the time. (laughs) It's kind of cool to be like, oh, I'm sorry. I've got to go watch Star Wars for work, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then the script makes that so much easier. So what I do is I throw the audio into the script and then I just put it on like two times speed and start cutting when they sound like when they do their idiot thing, not idiot thing, but (laughs) when they do their rabbit (laughs) hole. You heard it here, folks. Hopefully they're not watching. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) hopefully not. Um, Love them. Love you guys. And then I throw it into audition, smooth out the cuts, mix it, and bam, it, it's done. Lisa agrees. <laughs> yeah, I love how yeah. you're both like in sync and <laughs> almost like to the word, smooth out. I love Lisa, yep. I was just going to say, how would you describe that? Because in my mind, 
that's somewhere between, I mean, it's still a linear edit. Yeah. But it's really getting close to also picking the selects and helping build the story, right? I think it's a good stepping stone, essentially, between the two. I mean, we listen to people talk all the time. And Mm -hmm. I would like to think the podcast editors have a good ear for what is interesting. We know it makes us like not off. (laughs) Yes. We know when that happens, when we're all of a sudden not paying attention. And we know what it's like when we're like, just kind of like, who, what are they going to say next kind of thing? And being really excited about what you're listening to. So I I think it's an easy transition to be able to make those decisions. Daniel, how do you describe the kind of editing that you do when you're talking with a either an existing or prospective client? So I don't like describe it. I, I go into detail about what exactly I'm doing because the my clients they they're outsour- they're not outsourcing the editing. They're outsourcing the hassle and the time and like that's what they're buying. You know, I talk about the cleanup that I do. And then I just go through, like, I talk about how, like, I'll listen to the entire episode, cut out the ums, ums, crutch words, all that. And, um, and that's kind of usually the extent, because that's all that they really want to know, that they don't have to do all that. And, like, what I like to tell them is that I make them sound like the expert that they are. A great soundbite. Yeah. Yeah. As you can see, like, I don't normally talk like this and stutter, but, like, when you're in a room by yourself and talking to a microphone, like, obviously... You're not going to be as concise as you are in person or like in a more comfortable situation. No, I feel like I could fail in either (laughs) (laughs) Either scenario. Yeah, but you've also been doing this kind of thing for many years. But somebody who's like brand new to podcasting or brand new to this kind of like content creation, it's really awkward. And so I kind of explain more about less specific and just kind of. Yeah, that I cut out the ums and ahs and all that. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad you said that. The I had a, a prospective client call last week, and when they asked me to share a little bit about what I do, which is of course the point of the call, I talked about the audio cleanup and how I you know make them sound really good. And yes, we can absolutely assemble these eight different pieces that you have. Like that's table stakes, right? We'll do all that stuff. And I totally missed. Oh yeah, by the way, we do listen to the whole thing. We do go through and remove the the stutters and as much of that as we can and still have it sound natural. So then he has to ask the follow-up question. So we're looking for somebody that listens through to the whole thing. Do you do that? <laughs> I'm like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's so part of what I do. I forget right. that people don't know mm-hmm. that. Yeah, exactly. Because like, I don't even advertise that I'll do that other kind of editing anymore because I kind of hate it. Um, <laughs> it's easy, usually. But I don't have a lot of control over the final product, right? I'm just going through and visually removing things that are obviously wrong. Who knows what gets through? Like there's very minimal audio repair, that kind of stuff. So you're talking about site editing? Essentially, yeah. Like I'll go through and if you've got cuts you want me to make, and if I can see visually that there's something wrong, but I don't even advertise that anymore. So should we go back and like explain better what site editing is? Site editing is not something that I recommend, but it is something that I have offered. And I do have one client that still takes advantage of it, but it's not something that I would actually recommend, but it's essentially, I'll do the very basic audio repair and then I'll go through and I'll visually look for things that stand out. And it's typically things like lip smacks, bad breaths, long pauses, and every once in a while, or more often than I'd like to admit, you see an um as you're scrolling through Because you edit all the time (laughs) in whatever doll you use, you get so accustomed to how things look. You go, that's probably an um. And like 75% of the time, you're right. And so you just go through and you visually edit that. But there are risks in doing that because you miss things like non-persistent background noise. You miss sometimes filler words or restarts. Or this was years ago where I found it by accident, but the client had gotten interrupted by her daughter while she was doing an interview and like started yelling at her daughter on the thing. And I'm like, first off, are you okay if I cut this? And second, I just want to make sure that you're clear that I found this by accident. If I hadn't, this would have gone out and I wouldn't have been wrong. So all of your followers would have known that you were yelling at your daughter like this. 
And I don't think that's on brand for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so from a protecting the, the client perspective, I really dislike that kind of editing. But that's what it is. It's just going through and visually going, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. You fix what you see. Anything you, you miss just goes through. Yeah, that's a very good. And I never did that editing before. Like the only time and the only person I know who, I mean, I guess I've heard of other people doing it, but you're the, you're the one where, who I learned that from. You know, there is a, another kind of editing that is kind of like that, that we haven't talked about that. And that's just doing a first pass. Oh, yeah. Right. So you're basically doing a, a rough, you know, taking out the filler. Right. And you're like, I'll do an EQ. I'll clean it up. I will level it out, take out the filler words and then deliver it back to the client. And it that's a really quick kind of edit too. You're not assembling, you're not putting anything together. You're just taking the content and cleaning it up and leveling it, knowing full well that the client's probably going to push buttons and mess up your mix. But mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Well, that works fine as long as you're working with a, a competent engineer or editor on the other end of the process. If you're working with an editor that doesn't know what they're doing, yeah, I see your, your concern. Yeah. How would that differ from like linear editing if you're still going through and cutting out the filler words? You're not putting in the intro. You're not putting it in the outro or any ads or anything like that. You're not doing like that kind of full service. I mean, you're just, you're mixing with an understanding that they're, it's going to still be mixed like more, mm -hmm. like they're going to put their hands on it. So you just do a, a very gentle, simple cleanup. And, and really the most important part there, I think, is the leveling. That's what everybody struggles mm. with. Yeah, that's one thing I always like to mention is that I level the audio. Because everybody's like, let's do a podcast where you have to constantly adjust your volume knobs. I want to make sure to like emphasize like your show will not be like that. Yeah. To Carrie's point, I do have a couple of people that work with me and I typically have them do that first pass. Now, their first pass is pretty close to radio ready when they're done. I just go through and do the final mix and master. Like I, I'll do a couple of spot checks, but I don't have to go through and listen to the whole thing. I don't have to check to see if they know what they're doing because they know what they're doing. But then I'm the one that's responsible for the final product. For those that are wanting to look for opportunities to get in and get more experience, but maybe aren't sure about managing the client relationship, or maybe they feel really good about the technical aspects of the editing, but they don't feel good about delivering the final product. That might be a way that you could work with somebody who is looking for some support, but still has control issues like I do. <laughs> the struggle is real. The oh, control yeah, issues. It is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I got to put ears on everything, especially because you know, my name's on it. Yeah. But you don't check everything. You spot check stuff, right? Or do you do a full listen? It depends is the answer. <laughs> um, it depends what I'm editing. So if it's something like a linear edit, that probably has been, you know, Alejandro gave it a first pass. Then I worked on it. So it's had, it's already had like two ears on it. And then I just spot check the mix, right? If it is something more complicated or if it's like uh, narrative or sound design or anything like that, then I listen to it a lot or even just the dialogue assembly. Then I listen to it a lot because. I want to make sure that, I mean, because it's more complicated. There are more moving parts there. It's so easy for things to get messed up. And when you're working with so many tracks that you have to, you have to put ears on it and keep going back and refining. So it's a lot easier. Like there's a lot less listening. Like that's a more efficient way to do that quality assurance. Cause it's, you know, it's gone from me to Alejandro. And then, you know, I encourage my clients to listen quite frankly. And most of them do. And I would also say that there's the kind of editing that you're doing when you're doing the dialogue or the story editing, because you're pulling potentially phrases from different takes, it can be a lot harder to assemble something where the, the pacing and the inflection and the emotion flow properly yes. and also sound good because you'll get, what, five takes of the same set of sentences and they'll screw up a word and then they'll be laughing. Like, yeah, Like all of the things that happen in a linear interview, but they're going back and trying to make it right. And each time is a little different. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. 
And sometimes you, you know, you take one bit from here and another bit from there and all of a sudden you have the entire sentence. So yeah, there's a, it, it is, it, there's a lot more room for error in that kind of editing, I think. So you have to keep checking. And a bigger budget. So the stakes are higher, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when you can get paid more for your time too, but yes. <laughs> and you're working for companies that spend lots of money on marketing their shows. So Hopefully. your work's getting in front of hundreds, thousands, millions of people. Oh, right? don't say that. I'm going to have an existential crisis. <laughs> oh, not your work. <laughs> Other people that do what you do, they have your name. Yes. So it occurs to me that there's probably some value in having what I would call the elevator pitch version of what you do, which I think Daniel shared a really great version. I mm -hmm. make you sound like the expert you are. And also the more detailed version of this is what we actually do. That's not something that I have for myself. And it's something that I need to build. Carrie, is that something that you have for yourself? Not currently. It's something I once had and it sounded a lot like Daniel's. And then I stopped <laughs> saying it. And then I started doing different things. And it's definitely something I need to develop. So the one I wanted to do was I make you sound like a million bucks. The problem is I can never make them sound that much better than their original recording, right? So if you, if you deliver me some garbled, garbled mess, you're not going to sound like a million bucks. You're going to sound like a slightly better version of a garbled mess, right? <laughs> this makes me think of the dumpster fire thing. It's like, we just make the flames less <laughs> high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For those joining us, I did drop this in the chat, but for those joining us, how do you describe what you do? Like, do you have an elevator pitch that you share? Do you go into detail? Like, share with us, what do you do? I know that there are at least five or six people joining us live. Yeah, tell us your pitch. And Steve says that he identifies as a member of the community he's marketing to. Yeah, definitely. That helps. Definitely yeah, are. That does help. And it helps, you know, I think that... Um, when you're a member of a community, like for Steve, I think he's talking about FinCon, the word of mouth. So like one person will explain to another person what Steve does for them. And so that that is probably very helpful mm. in what I was looking for in that, me <laughs> that <laughs> meeting last week. Yeah. So Steve says he's a FinConner because he is and he knows their content. Raise is interesting. I tell them that I could improve their company's social presence. A little bit interested in that, I guess, to just a little bit dig a little bit deeper. Are you talking about their social presence in terms of social media? Or are you talking about their social presence because of their show? I, I'm interested to know more about that, Ray. All right. So we got the top level kind of like the site editing going a little bit deeper. Got the linear editing and the deeper version that would get the content linear editing. What would be like the next deeper level, in your opinion? For me, it'd be dialogue editing. Editing from a script. So basically, you get all the audio and you get a script. You're either choosing the best takes or those best takes are identified in the script for you. And so you're just cutting and assembling. Or you're doing a narrative podcast and then all those choices have been made for you. So you would just, the person says, and they murdered Fred, you know, at 3355. And so you grab, you know, starting at 3355, they murdered Fred, right? And you plot that into something. There's no like second take because it's, it is an interview. And then you assemble that all together and deliver it to, you know, whomever is doing the next step in the process of the putting the show together. And then I guess the next step after that would be where you're helping to develop the storyboard as well. Yeah, so that I would call story editing. Right. In in and I learned in like film it, that would be kind of like a story producer where you have most of like the interviews done, you have an outline for what the shows, you know, or every show that's like sold to a network starts with like a pitch. So you have the pitch and that usually includes a synopsis of every episode and what everything is going to be about, but it's still very loose. And so you have to go through all that audio, all the interviews collected, and you have to figure out what it's going to tell the, the story in each episode. You are essentially like, I like to think of it like reverse engineering a script. So your end goal is to have a script to finish your edit it and assemble with, but you've got 
to first figure out what the heck story you're telling. And that can be depending on who you're working with or or what the show is, that can be, you know, relatively easy or relatively difficult. But it is absolutely very fun. Uh, and I, I recommend to anybody who wants to get a little bit more creative and, and they want to do story editing, think about how they can get there, like what the steps are. Like literally my steps were start from content editing to dialogue editing and now to this, to the story editing. But you really, you you start by crafting the story. You listen to everything, a lot of listening. And the end result is you're, you know, assembling the dialogue like you would as a dialogue editor. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, did I, it. I do have a follow-up question for you, but Daniel, would we like to hit the comments before we move on? Yeah. So we talked so Ray uh followed up saying that he focuses on like the social media presence. So not so much like to the podcast editing. Patrick saying hey to everybody. Hey Patrick. Patrick. <laughs> Kathy, I, have sought, I haven't sought out clientele at this point. It helps to know now that I would be considered a first pass editor. Currently, I edit my own scripts and podcasts. I'm glad we can give like a, a title or a name. Yeah. Like all of us, Patrick is glad to see Carrie's back. Your face Steve is has, gone. <laughs> yeah, Steve has quite the comment that doesn't need me on the screen. But it's funny because I was having lunch with, a, with local editors just yesterday about how do I describe what I do topic. One person is a full-fledged podcast producer. However, she doesn't feel like the people she's contacting to be guests on her boss's show take her seriously. I suggest she use, she not use the word podcast and instead say show. Yeah, I don't 100% agree with that because I still think that podcasting and to a percent, to a degree, like isn't inaccurate to say that it's still kind of like hobby dominated. And like there's like that meme that jokes like, oh, everybody and their brother has a podcast nowadays. So I, I think... Especially if you're getting that kind of feedback. And a lot of the times, like I will say, use show in place of podcasts. I kind of give it a little bit more prestige because a show is a little bit more generic, whereas like podcasts definitely has certain connotations depending on who you're talking to. I would say that podcast is is almost like the hobbyist word. And then show would be the more, you know, traditional word, the more established like there's a there's a, yeah. a cultural connotation that goes along with each of those words and they carry different weight. I would say that from a technical standpoint, podcast is a delivery method. The fact that we're podcast editors really isn't accurate. We are audio editors or some of us are video editors. And the domain that we play in is delivery by RSS typically. I know that there are some companies, <laughs> YouTube, that are trying to co-opt that word so that they can own the market, Spotify. <laughs> but that notwithstanding, <laughs> yes, we are show editors. We are audio editors. We are, some of us, quite professional video editors, right? But the market that we're playing in are people that distribute typically by RSS. So, yeah. A- anyway, I did want to ask a question to you, Carrie, because okay. as people have been listening, they might have thought, hey, the kind of editing that Carrie's talking about sounds interesting, but I don't know how to do that. How would you suggest that they move forward? Well, okay. So I think that really the first thing is to start thinking about content editing, like content. Really um, pay attention, not just with the podcasts you edit or the podcasts you listen to, but really pay attention to content everywhere. And what really gets you excited and like pulls you in and where do you, where does your attention drop off? Right. Because you have to have that awareness to do that, the job. So what is the personality, what's engaging and what's boring? Um, And I would, if you have a client currently who, you know, you notice the content's a little flat. You know, have a conversation with them and maybe offer them some uh, content editing. You can even do it at a reduced rate to like start practicing and get that that those skills under your belt and be able to say, oh, yeah, I can edit content. Start learning about story, right? How stories are put together. NPR has a great uh, website. Website has 
great information about this on their website. Also, transom.org is a fabulous resource. And also, there are classes you can take to learn how to do this kind of editing. I have offered a dialogue editing class in the past, like workshops, like one day. They're like, oh my gosh, they're like marathon though, because it it ended up being so much fun. Um, So like three or four hours where, you know, on a Saturday we go through, you know, what dialogue editing is all about from how to work with the team that you're working for and, you know, how to actually do the work where I, you know, give you a script and practice audio and and we cut it up and, and talk about it and play with it. You know, that's one thing, although I'm not currently doing that class right now because the script changed everything and that's the main thing I used um, to do it. Uh, and, and I have to say, like, this was all, I started before the script where there was no transcription. I was just doing this in audition. So I have to say that this, you know, Descript and other programs like it, because I'm yay competition, really have simplified this process and made it a ton easier for anyone to get into this. So that's a really easy way to start, and and then start looking for jobs. LinkedIn is fabulous for this. If you just subscribe to their what job alerts, there are other places like that have these kinds of dialogue editing jobs and you see them more and more and more. So basically going from content to dialogue and really paying attention to story and what's working and what's not along the way. That's a lot to digest. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's like a but it's it's the same way you got into podcast editing, right? Yeah. It's just having to be new at something again. <laughs> Which I find very disturbing <laughs> and hard. Um yeah. but also fun and challenging. I'd like to hit Patrick's, if that's okay. Yeah. The thoughts on audio editor. If you feel like that would be confusing, you could certainly not use that. Or you might just say, hey, I'm an audio editor focused on dialogue and spoken word. Uh, yeah. There's a... A dialogue editor, too, is another you know, way. Yeah, just definitely. Just like broadly speaking. Yeah. There's a guy on YouTube, Paul Feggiani. He's a uh, produced new media is his handle. Years and years and years in mastering and producing spoken word audio. And he just basically, that's his thing is I do spoken word audio and it's okay for it to be that, but that doesn't make him not an engineer. It doesn't make him not an editor. He absolutely is those things. And he blows my mind. He's incredibly good at his stuff. And I think it's perfectly appropriate to call yourself that. And if somebody asks what albums you've worked on, you say, oh, I work on dialogue or I work on spoken word or something like that or dialogue editor. Absolutely fine. I always get a little concerned if I say dialogue editor, somebody might think dialogue for TV and film, but hey, it's okay if they think I'm better than I am, right? I, I feel like I, I feel like the more I'm, I'm learning about kind of our counterparts in TV and film, because a lot of people that I have worked with actually like uh, on the teams that I've been involved in, a lot of them come from TV and film. Right. And one of the things that I, well, I found two things. One is it's very similar, right? It's very similar, but it's different enough where dialogue editors from TV and film just feel out of their depth and, and audio people from TV and film just don't want to deal with it. Right. They don't want to cut dialogue. They want to like do sound design and mix and master. So yeah, I think there will be more crossover as time goes on. Which means podcast editors could potentially move into the realm of doing TV and film and vice versa. Jesse says it's all about storytelling. Uh, So yeah, definitely agreeing with you, Carrie. And Brandon says content everywhere sounds like a step toward audio branding. Helping somebody connect someone's audio connect with their audience wherever it's reaching them. That's yeah, that's yeah. I think that's a great soundbite. Yeah, I love that. And if you think about it, that's part of the goal of why we have things like loudness standards and all of that stuff is so you really can listen everywhere and have maybe not a great experience, but at least a good experience. Like you're never going to have a high fidelity experience listening on your iPhone, or your Android phone on speaker. Like it's just not going to happen. No. But if you can understand it, if you can hear the words, that's the that's a win. Since Daniel's taking a drink, do you want to hit a couple of the comments? <laughs> <laughs> Brian being evil today. 
Jesse says podcasts have become just another content channel. Learning how to manage all these channels is going to be a good place to be. Okay. So while I was on my hiatus, I watched an awful lot of TikTok, more than I'm proud of. (laughs) But what I see is how that content is starting to merge because people on TikTok are doing TikToks and calling them podcasts. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's, I mean, the, I think eventually all of this digital media content will just be like one, like you'll have one person. Well, hopefully no, maybe more than one person, but you'll have like, <laughs> it, there'll be crossover in the roles. Like if I'm going to edit your mm-hmm. podcast, well, I'll, edit, I'll just clean up your TikTok audio or your Instagram, you know, those kinds of things. It's interesting because of like how all these like different channels, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram are all essentially kind of merging into all having similar content because that TikTok style video, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, you Instagram has like long form videos and TikTok is like up to 10 minutes. Now you can have a video. So it's like all the same. It's just kind of like the delivery channel is different. Yeah, so at the risk of putting on my Gen Xer hat, I'm not actually super happy about that because I feel like each one of these is a private marketplace trying to take advantage of an entire ecosystem that was built largely for free by people who only cared about being able to share mm-hmm. their story. And it doesn't bother me that money's coming into the place, but I have a real strong distaste for it existing only on like if a paid platform manages to take over the market, then they become the gatekeeper. I mean, what Spotify is trying to do. Yeah. Yes. Well, Spotify is trying to do it. YouTube's trying to do it. TikTok will probably try to do it. Facebook tried to do it and failed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause I don't think they understood the marketplace, but anyway, to take off my old Gen Xer hat. And yeah. let us move on from that. No, no <laughs> mm-hmm. we need like a Gen X segment, Brian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Angry old man, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it grinds my gears. <laughs> uh, second gear, probably. It's hard, it's hard to get from first to second. <laughs> I just burn out the clutch all the time. I mean, it's crazy. So Steve had a great suggestion. Final word on the topic. The real solution who is that everybody just memorized the podcast taxonomy list on roles. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a possibility, especially if you do the things that fit in that role. And if you're not aware of the podcast taxonomy, I think it's worth checking out. It's, I think, I don't know that it necessarily does a great job of fitting the bill for what linear editors do, but it definitely helps define roles in terms of who does marketing, who owns the storyboard, all of that kind of stuff. So I think it is a valuable resource for sure. Comment from Patrick Heller. I've been liking working with video and using my audio skills, but not enjoying the enormous files. I really do enjoy video editing. I wish I could do it more. So have you tried out DaVinci Resolve at all? It's on my to-do list. But it's one of those things how like getting into new style of editing, it's like trying to learn a brand new pro. Because I've been using Adobe Premiere for years at this point. And I would love to move to DaVinci so I don't have to pay monthly. But it's like I'm proficient at Premiere. And it's hard not being proficient at something. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. From what I understand, like DaVinci is an amazing piece of software that's completely free and they have a ton of how-to videos. So like learning how to use it is, they've made it easy. And plus like YouTube exists. So there's a ton of content out there now to learn. And like it's used in like big productions. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, And I think the thing, so I was initially kind of concerned about it because of the whole free thing. I know that they also have a paid tier, yeah. which is actually not unreasonably priced. I think it's like $300 for pro-level video stuff. Mm-hmm. But the ecosystem is largely built around equipment sales because they sell hardware units for recording and oh. for editing and stuff. Oh. So the part that weirded me out was if it's free, how do I know that they're not like, how do I know this company is not going to go under? Well, they're making their money off of small controllers, big controllers, recording units, the... I think they may have bought out ATEM now, maybe not, but like those kind of controllers for live streaming and or live video recording, all kinds of stuff. Like it's it's pretty crazy. That's actually really genius. So you give away the software and it's like, oh, hey, you're using the software. We have this little device that goes perfectly with that software. Yeah. 
Yeah. And everything but the most advanced features are available in mm-hmm. the free version. Like I've played with it. I'm terrible at video editing, but wow, even the mixing section for mixing audio is pretty full featured. Like <laughs> I, I don't it's not Pro Tools. Uh it's also not Hindenburg, but it's pretty powerful. Yeah, Brandon says I mean, the audio editor in Resolve is really impressive. I definitely need to dive into it because like Premiere is very powerful. But it's also an Adobe product, so you're going to pay monthly. And it's also unnecessarily non-intuitive. And like I, when I use Premiere, like I clean up and I do all the audio work in Reaper. Either I mix the video and audio in Reaper, because Reaper can edit video, and then like take that over to Premiere. Or I like mix in Premiere, but I, don't, I never really touch any like the audio tools beyond raising and lowering the volume. In Premiere? Yeah. Yeah, because it's meant to go into Audition. Yeah. Like, I'm not I mean, going to do that. That's how they get you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure, you pay this month for just Premiere, but you can buy the whole suite and use it with Audition. No, I'm not doing that. I just want to let everybody know I have quit Pro Tools for the fifth time. Uh- <laughs> for now. Going back to a previous comment, uh, Jesse is saying, hey, social media is going to be pay for play sooner than later. That's absolutely the thing. It's free as long as they're trying to build up market share and take it away from somebody else. And then as soon as they've got some level of, like as soon as it's more valuable for you to get exposure on their platform than for them to have you posting, it becomes pay to play. That is, that's how Twitter worked for a large, you know, in the last few years. It's how Facebook works. That's how Instagram works. It will be how TikTok works if it's not there already. It's largely how LinkedIn works. As soon as it's more valuable for them, as soon as it's more valuable for you to be on the platform to get your content out, it will be paid for play. That's just how it works. Do you mean from like a business point of view to reach users or from yeah. a user? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why do you think everything in Facebook is moving to groups and now all of the pages have their own profile? It's because they need to get you more notifications to get you back in their stupid app <laughs> in segmented groups so they can show you more ads. So many notifications and ads. It's crazy. I've given up. Yeah, every time I get on Facebook now, it's just like I see all the notifications and it's just like, click, mark all red. As we stream to Facebook. Yeah, I know. And have a community. Or some of us Mm -hmm. have, or we all have more than one community. Yeah, so for those of you that are wondering, the problem's not you. The problem's us. We still love you. Yeah. (laughs) Have we sufficiently covered this topic? Is there anything else we need to hit? I think so. Like, I feel it would be fun to workshop elevator pitches. Okay. But not right now. I think for another show. I wonder if any of our audience members would be interested in doing that in the future. Yeah, we, we probably need somebody who's actually good at it instead of having me. No, I think <laughs> talk look, about look, look, here's my thing. We're supposed to be masterminding and nobody has all the answers, yeah. right? So why not like, you know, cuz we used to do it with each other. What I'm hearing is like Kind of like what we're doing now, but then like cycle in, like so, like Patrick can come on. We'll talk to him for like ten minutes, work out his, and then you know somebody else can come on, talk to the sales, kind of like do a little. Somebody who's good at bro. it can come on and help me work out mine. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so I would love to do that with with our listeners. If you're interested, reach out to one of us some way, or you can just send us an email. Um, yeah, at podcasteditorsmastermind.com. Um, yeah, this sounds really cool. And also we have a form on the web, on the website, podcasteditorsmastermind.com. So some way or another, like get in touch with us if you're interested in doing that. And we will, yeah, I love that idea. So Patrick says he's ready to be our first workshop yes, okay. um, because he is resistant to this idea, which tells me <laughs> that he absolutely needs to do it. So Patrick, I'm going to hunt you down. And I'm going to force you onto the show. I may trick you. I don't know. I may I may tell you we're doing something completely different. It doesn't work if you tell him. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not good at like keeping secrets or lying. So <laughs> in a few weeks, we're going to have the uh, a special episode to see Patrick Keller appreciation episode. We're not going to be talking about anything business related. We're just going to talk about how much we appreciate him. So I want to have that episode too. We should have a listener appreciation episode. <laughs> we should. We how really we should. Maybe we just give them the show and we watch. <laughs> not perfect. <laughs> listener takeover. 
Just remember, if you're too professional, we won't let you do it again. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be better than us. <laughs> so, so do we have time for our Poddex question of the day? Yeah. Oh, why not? Carrie, since you're back after a short hiatus, I need you to pick a number from one to five. Uh, three. One, two, three. What would be your best day ever? I want to be by a large body of water by myself in a, I don't know, a nice house and, and just have like Uber Eats and everybody just leaves me alone. <laughs> I've got one. But while I'm saying that, uh, if you're joining us live, leave your comment in the chat. Let us know how you would like to spend your best day ever. If you're listening later, you can always leave a comment because we'd love to hear from you as well. We'll have a link in the show notes. Best day ever for me, currently, 24 hours of sleeping. I think I would go with that, just in bed for a day and only get up because of my age when I'm required to. <laughs> Daniel? <laughs> well, Patrick said no cats. Uh, I believe for Carrie, I think that is a sticking point, especially no cats. One day free from them crawling all over. That, that's very true. That's, I just don't <laughs> want to take care of anybody right now, Patrick. <laughs> I just want to do me. That's it. <laughs> uh, for me, either like a house on the beach or a cabin in the woods with a select few of my closest friends with plenty of food and an open bar. Oh, I nice. hope I'm one of those friends. As a matter of <laughs> fact, let's just merge our best days Perfect. and it will be each of us have a cabin somewhere <laughs> um, near each other where we can wave. <laughs> But not have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> All well, right. So we've talked about what to do if you want to be a guest on the show. Podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest. Fill out that form. That also works if you have a topic that you think we should cover. If you've got a question or something like that, but you don't want to be in the show, Patrick, then you can do <laughs> you can do something like that because we have ideas of things we want to cover, but we want to make sure that they work for you. So if you've got something that you think would be valuable, put it in there. Not everything gets a full episode, but sometimes we're able to cover some topics that are sort of off topic from the episode, and that's absolutely fine as well. Um, and typically every two weeks, I think we're going to be up in a couple of weeks. Any, I haven't checked my calendar, so I probably shouldn't say anything. Uh, just, <laughs> just watch us on social for the next time that we're going to go live. And now that Carrie's back, we might also get some emails out because <laughs> she's the email yeti. I'm the schedule, the live stream Yeti. Daniel is, I don't know, Daniel, what do you do anymore? <laughs> I, sh I show up and make you look good by relative. No, um, he's our cheerleader for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But we may even be back at full strength the next time. We'll have to see, but we'd love to see you here. <laughs> I'm Brian at Spring. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. Over here is... Carrie Caulfield Eric, and you can find me at Carrie Eric on Instagram. I'm Daniel Abendroth, and you can find me at rothmedia.audio. And unable to join us today is Jennifer Longworth of bourbonbarrelpodcasting.com. She go check her out. We miss her too. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, y'all. Uh, um, so, how much is that? Um, 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 um